Yeah, that's a lot to be thankful for. Let's, let's give God a big hand for all what he's done last year. And by faith, let's celebrate God for what he's going to do next year, 2020. Greater things are going to happen as a result of him receiving all the glory and honor. Uh, recently, I was invited to a friend's son's birthday. And it had been a long time since I've been to a little kid's birthday. But it was themed superheroes. And we got there. We went in the backyard. There was plenty of food. Everybody was having a great time. Kids were laughing. And then my friend hired like a, a, a character to come out. It was the Incredible Hulk. And when he came out, the kids went bonkers. And, and it was like these little battles started happening in the backyard. And then they had the biggest pinata I've ever seen in my life. It was incredible. And we were celebrating because of one reason. Why? Why were we celebrating? It was a kid's birthday, right? Now, Jesus says in John chapter 3, when he's talking to Nicodemus, that in order to enter into the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You got to have a spiritual birthday, right? And so can you imagine what it would be like this year if every single week we were celebrating spiritual birthdays? Like we should go crazy. Yeah, we should get a lot, get excited when we give. But man, when we see our lost friends and family members come to know Christ and their lives change, we should go ballistic and celebrate and rejoice. And it's already happening every week during the month of, of January. We have seen friends publicly surrender their life to Jesus. We had men in this first service, nine o'clock service, surrender their life to Jesus. You may be here today and you don't know the Lord personally, but in response to the message and the presence of God, you're going to yield yourself to Jesus Christ. And we want to celebrate with you. I want to welcome you to our 12-year-old our birthday as a, as a church. We turned 12 years old today, so praise the Lord for that. It's a time when I get to share with you our State of the Gate address. And we've been praying for several months for the Lord to lead us and guide us. We know that Gateway Fellowship belongs to the Lord. He's the head, we're the body. He's building his church, and we just want to do what he says and follow the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so several months ago, we began to pray as a leadership team, Lord, direct us. Where are you leading and guiding us? And, and we always ask for maybe a word or a phrase that the Lord would help us to kind of be a theme for the new year. And I was away. I was at a trip, a retreat, and really felt like it was it. And he was confirming it in my spirit. I really sensed it. And he confirmed it in the word of God. And I got off the airplane and my wife greeted me. And I was like, Lord, I just need a sign. I, I, wanna, I don't always ask for signs, but I'd like a sign that this is it. And when I told Stephanie, like, this is the word, and the word was joy, that we were going to have greater joy in 2020 as a, fellow, as a, as a church, she, she rolled down her sleeve like she was in some kind of gang, and there on her arm was the word joy tattooed. Can you believe it? I was like, all right, that's the sign. <laughs> now, some of you believe that getting a tattoo is a sin. Please don't email me any of your angry messages, all right? You can email them to Stephanie. <laughs> all right, turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61 in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a messianic prophecy. That means a, a passage of scripture that prophesies about the Messiah, about Jesus. And in fact, when Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth. He got up in a synagogue. This was like the buzz was out. People were talking about, is Jesus the one? They saw his signs, his miracles. 
And they were not sure, but they were like hopeful. And Jesus gets up in the synagogue and he reads from the scroll, this passage of scripture. And he says, this day, this is being fulfilled in your presence. All right. So very significant passage of scripture. It has great implications for us today as well as a church. All right. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. How many of you know that God desires his lost children to be found? He desires for those who are brokenhearted and hurting to be healed. He desires those who are in captivity and because of strongholds and addictions to be set free. How many of you guys agree that that's the Lord's will, all right? Well, this happens with great efficiency when the church is mobilized into action. When we as a church family say, you know what, that same spirit of God that was on Jesus is on us to fulfill these works in our city, in our homes, in our church. And so when we get on board with this and realize that God's spirit is upon us to minister in this way, powerful things will happen. Scripture goes on to say, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Father, we thank you for this word. May it become alive in our midst. We acknowledge that, Father, you are alive and that you desire the lost to be found. You desire where once there was mourning and sadness for there to be gladness and joy. And I pray that because of your word and by the name of Jesus, by faith, we receive this. May this be a day of rejoicing. May this be a year of greater joy for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen? May this be the year of greater joy. How many of you want a little bit more joy in your life? In fact, look over to a neighbor sitting next to you and say, get ready, we're going to have some greater joy. There's a phrase here, a word here in our passage in verse 4 that I just can't get away from. It says, the oil of joy. The oil of what? Joy. joy. Now imagine what it would be like if we had greater joy here in our church. I mean, like we came together and, and we were singing a little bit louder that there was more laughing in the lobby, that we, there, more people were smiling, that, that we were just, we were, maybe we were telling more jokes. We just were like wanting to always have a good time. You know, like, men, you know how we can lead the way in this? We need to be telling more dad jokes. <laughs> Every man needs to have about four or five good dad jokes in their back pocket. I've been working on a good dad joke. Would you like to hear it? Yeah. You do? All right. All right, here we go. Why do you always get annoyed with a nosy pepper? Because it's always jalapeno business. That's a good dad joke right there. <laughs> now, we didn't mean to be joyful, but it needs to be more than just because we're silly and telling jokes, right? Now, 
we're going to discover that the greater joy that we have is, is really connected to a kingdom principle. In 1 John, it says, I have no greater joy knowing that my children walk in truth. That when people who were once lost that are found, when people who were once believing lies now are knowing the truth. When friends and family members who are once lost, they are found and they come to know Christ and we get to witness that, we're gonna rejoice and celebrate. That's gonna fill us with a a joy that we can't find anywhere else, amen? So that's what's gonna happen this year. And I I just, we live in a culture where there's there's kind of a heaviness, right? There's a lot of attention, uh, anxiety is kind of a buzzword and people are discouraged. And I, I believe that the church should be the one bright place. Like there should be something different about us that when people see, man, they're, they're going through a difficult time, they're going through a trial, but there's some rejoicing still going on that they haven't lost their joy. And in Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 10, I love this verse. It says, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We're going to grow stronger. You're going to be healthier because you're going to see the value of joy in your life. And so if this is going to be a year of greater joy for you, your family, and for our church, then you're going to have to eliminate some joy suckers in your life. The enemy wants to have some joy suckers. He wants to steal and rob you of your joy. Some of you have had your joy taken away, but this is going to be the year that your joy gets returned, all right? But it's going to be because you're a joy seeker and you're, you're deleting and getting rid of the joy suckers out of your life. All right, so you wanna, let's discover what those joy suckers are. First joy sucker that we need to eliminate is negativity. How many of you want a little bit more negativity in your life? Anybody have room for it? Not me, not me. I don't have no need for more negativity. I, I, like, you know, you, everybody's got, you know, you know who a Debbie Downer is? People who see that, that glass like half empty, right? Always critical, negative, kind of like a dark cloud. They're always just discouraged. You need to tell them, hey, I, instead of venting to me and always sharing, you're like, you need to go get an espresso for your depresso. Like, <laughs> you need to have some distance from your life with the, the Debbie Downers in your life. But some of you are struggling. You're kind of a Debbie Downer. And you're affecting other people. Here's how you can get rid of your, with that, that discouragement. It really has to do with what you, you dwell on, your thought life. Like sometimes we worry and 90%, 99% of the time we worry about worst case things that never really happen, right? We, we don't base it on truth. But we need to, Philippians 4, it really is the key. It says, don't be anxious. Don't give yourselves over to worry and anxiety and discouragement, but everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And then guess what the promise is? It says the peace of God, the supernatural peace will guard your heart and your mind. Now that's Philippians chapter four, verse seven, very important verse, but we can't forget verse eight because verse eight is the key to joy, all right? And it has to do with your thought life. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, somebody say true. True. Not false, not the worst case, but what is true. Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You can choose what you think about. Don't allow your, your emotions to lie to you and then cause your, your, your emotion, your mental state of being spiral downward into negativity, all right? Submit your thought life into the obedience of Jesus and choose 
good thoughts. Choose to think about the nature of Christ. Choose to think about what is true in the promises of Scripture. Think about what is praiseworthy, what brings your heart full of joy. Have gratitude in your life, but think about good things. This is how you can have more happiness in your life, all right? You, you don't have room for negativity, but how many of you could use a little bit more happiness? All right, number one, this is real profound. You might want to write this down. Be joyful. <laughs> just choose to be joyful. When you wake up in the morning, all right, just choose to have a smile on your face. No matter what you're going through, if you by faith put, your, put action, your emotions are going to follow. Some of you have been following your emotions, and your emotions aren't always truthful. And you've been led into negativity, and you've been led into sadness. It's time that sadness be turned to gladness and will happen when you choose good thoughts. Choose to be joyful. Second, all right, first be joyful. Second, be positive. Just give the benefit of the doubt. Find the good things in people and in situations, right? You may be going through a difficult time and you're like, man, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm going through a storm. I'm going through a trial. Well, James chapter one says to rejoice. Because when you go through a trial, your character is being deepened. You're going to have more patience. You're going to understand that God has a redeeming purpose in what you're going to go through. That one day he's going to turn your trial into a testimony. But find the positivity in that. Choose to be positive. And then third, if you're going to be more happy, be encouraging. All right? Take the focus off yourself and put it on others. How can you build up other people with your words and with your actions? You need to be more loving to one another, serve one another, honor one another, encourage one another. And when we all do that collectively, guess what will happen to the culture of our church family? We're gonna build each other up and you will reap what you sow. You, if you sow encouragement, you're gonna get it from other people. I promise, that's the way you got, that's a kingdom principle. And we're all gonna encourage and build each other up in the faith and become stronger and more joyful. So first, let's eliminate the negativity from our life. The second, Joy sucker is being discontent. Being discontent. That means just always dreaming about another day. Can't be happy with the season that you're in, whatever that lot is. You can't, no, you can't say it as well with my soul because you're always maybe regretting, uh, worrying about the future or wishing uh, you were back in the good old days. You know, like we need to acknowledge that the Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it, right? Like this is a day that God has given you as a gift and we can come together as a church family and worship him and be built up from his scripture. And, but every day we can, we can do this. We need to seize that moment, go, God, this day is a gift. I wanna glorify you. I wanna choose joy. I don't wanna be sad. I don't wanna be sorrowful. I wanna have the joy of the Lord as my strength today and walk in that and get rid of being discontent. You know, some of you have, are, are young parents and, and you, God's given you some children and maybe you've, you've been tempted to think, I just can't wait for my, my little babies to start talking, to start talking. And then they become toddlers, right? And then what happens? It's like nonstop, but why, but why, but why? And then you're like, I just, I just wish my babies would shut up. <laughs> But you're, you're just not content with the stage that your children are in. Maybe you're not content with the stage that you're in, and, and you need to learn to be content. Paul says that in Scripture. He didn't say, I, I'm content. He had everything, and he had nothing. But Scripture says he learned to be content. It doesn't happen maybe overnight, but you can learn to be content. 
you can learn to be grateful for all the blessings. And in life, there's hardship and there's blessings, but we can be content in all of these things. You know, as some of you are, you get triggers in your life that cause you to spiral downward. And some of those triggers happen in social media, right? I'm just going to tell you, it is unwise for you to compare the miserable parts of your life with the highlight reel of others. Not much will make you feel worse, right? And, and I, I did an experiment last month. I got away for a whole month from social media. In fact, this whole last year, I got away from news. I didn't even watch news on TV, didn't look at it on my phone. And it's been like a, a healing bomb. It's done my emotions good, just ha- having some distance from, from social media. But some of you need to unfollow people or you need to, you need to distance yourself from, uh, from social media because it's causing you to be pulled down and not be content. Here's another joy sucker, neglect. You have neglected the source of your joy. Some of you know this to be true. Just evaluate your time this past week, the past month. How much time have you spent with Jesus? How much time have you spent in the word of God? Like, is it really a priority in your life? Are you waking up like, God, thank you for this new day. I praise you. And, and you have gratitude in your heart and you have praise in, 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 in your tongue. Like I, everybody needs to have a good praise playlist that you're listening to music and maybe being in the presence of God. But you need to eagerly desire truth found in the word of God that you can apply to your life every single day. And the Lord will use the word of God to build you up, to fill you with great joy. You need to nurture your relationship with Jesus. Some of you, you are there's, there's a lot more output than input. And if your output is greater than your input, input, joy is going to leak. See, and you spend time with the Lord. Some of you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. And that's going to be a key to you having greater joy in your life. On the day of Pentecost, the 120 who were followers of Jesus had this unique experience that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. People who witnessed them saw them on the streets. They thought they were drunk. They were so happy. You know, some people get, they, they numb pain and they numb the hurt in their life with, with alcohol and they get drunk or with a bottle or Netflix or online pornography or whatever that may be. But for these folks, it was the Holy Spirit that gave them joy. The Bible says don't be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And for some of you, this year is going to be the year that you get baptized in the Holy Spirit and you experience more of God's presence in your life, more of his love in your life, more of his power to witness in your life, more joy in your life. Amen? But you can't neglect it. You can't neglect it. Chase after the Lord. Pursue him. Next, you, you need to realize that a joy sucker is when you have no vision. The Bible says where there is no vision, people perish. It says a, heart, a dream deferred will make your heart sick. You need to have vision. You need a vision personally. You need to have a vision for your family. But we need to embrace a vision for our church. And I want you to get a vision for our church. I want us to rejoice in the things that cause our Father God in heaven to rejoice. All right? So what makes the Lord happy? What makes him joyful? We know that it's when his children walk in truth, but we can see in the story that Jesus shared of the prodigal son. Remember when that lost son was in his sin, he repented, he came back. What was the response of the father? He got off that front porch and he ran to his son, embraced him, gave him the robe, gave him the, the, the ring, gave him sandals. And then they, they killed the fatted calf and had a great feast, right? They threw a party. 
And be, Jesus gets happy when his lost children come to know him, that none should perish. I want us to read together the theme verse for us in 2020. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. It says, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. It says there will be no more joy in heaven. That means like that's the greatest catalyst for joy in heaven, that the angels, that our Father God erupts in praise. I believe that there are people who have gone and passed away, some grandparents, some loved ones, that, that they're experiencing great joy when they know that their ancestors and friends and grandchildren are coming to know the Lord. But can you imagine that this is just if one sinner comes to know the Lord, like imagine that day of Pentecost, right? When people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, Peter gets up and preaches the gospel. Scripture says that 3,000 people were added to the church. 3,000, can you imagine 3,000 people get saved in one day? Like they were pretty excited, but all heaven rejoiced as well. Now the most we've ever seen come to know Jesus in one church, uh, in our church in one year is about between 12 and 1,300 people. Can you imagine this year if we, could see 3,000 people saved this year. Can you imagine what that would be like? Like, and not just publicly surrendering their life to Jesus. And we've seen that every single Sunday this month and, and, and during January of this year. But I'm not talking about just here. Because I think, man, we, we've done a great job of inviting people to church but we've got room for improvement in inviting people to Jesus. I'm talking about you personally leading someone to the Lord. When's the last time you personally led someone to the Lord? Some of you have never experienced that joy yet. But when God can use you to, to share your story, share the good news of Jesus, and then be bold enough to ask them if they would like to surrender their life to Jesus and pray with them and lead them and make sure they're part of a church family, part of a small group, taking their next steps in water baptism and reading the word of God like to Christian maturity. Like there's a, there's a joy that some of you have not even experienced yet, but you will. We're going to start a brand new series next week called Soul Winning. And we're going to equip you and train you. And we're going to give value to soul winning. The Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. I want us to be a wise church. I want us to experience greater joy because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we're going to equip you as, as a church because we're not an audience. I think it's real easy to come here and, and to sit back and maybe to receive. But man, we need to, our job, I feel like as pastors, is equip you to be an army to go out where the lost are. And I want to see people, man, I, I envision, I, we can see it, that, that you are leading people at your, the workplace and marketplace and your homes. And people don't have to just be baptized in water here, but baptized in rivers and lakes and hot tubs and bathtubs. And, and we're going to come together and hear stories of how you led people to the Lord. And we're going to celebrate and go crazy this year over the harvest of lost souls. Amen? All right. Uh, another joy sucker is when you don't have any praise in your heart. When you're not praising God, like Isaiah 61 says to exchange a spirit of heaviness for a garment of what? Of praise, right? Like there's, there's a praise is different from worship. I spend a lot of my time, I don't know about you, during your, your devotional time, your quiet time, like with worship. It's heavy, it's intimate, but praise is, a, it's, it, they're both important, but praise has a little bit, it's maybe, uh, think of it more, more, just lifting up the name of Jesus. It's, a, it's, it's it maybe more upbeat, there's singing, there's dancing, there's rejoicing, there's shouting involved, and we need to have a little bit more of that. The Bible says to enter his gates with 
thanksgiving and his courts with, with praise, right? A good formula for greater joy is, is gratitude plus praise. You need to be more grateful and be more thankful to the Lord with praise on your lips, praise in your heart. Praise comes from the Hebrew word tehila. It's where we get the, the word tequila from. No, we don't. No, 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 no. We don't. But tehila, tehila means it's a, it's a Hebrew word. We found it 300 times in scripture, and it involves music, dancing, and singing. And, and the word really is like, it suggests that God himself is a song of praise. So we might think of it as, as God is our praise. So when we come together and praise, we're, we're singing praises to Jesus. Something happens when you are in the, pra- the presence of the Lord. That God says that he inhabits the praise of his people. So when we come together on Sundays, we praise him. But when you come together as a small group, when you come together as a family or individually, when you praise the Lord, it ushers in the presence of God. And you need to have praise in your heart and in your mind. You need to have more praise. This is going to be a place of joy. It's going to be a place of praise. All right. Another joy sucker is burnout. Some of you are just tired. You're weary. I can see it in your face. And it's because you're just too busy. Last year, the theme for us, you guys remember the word for 2019? It was replenish. That's right. And so we slowed down. We had a big growing building campaign, just different things. And we just slowed down and we ruthlessly eliminated hurry from our lives. Some of you still need to do that. You need to declutter all the activities. You need to have more margin and time and space. You need to to see how important solitude and silence is and to have more time for, for the Lord, have more time in your fellowship with others. Like you need that in your life. Like some of you have neglected meeting together in a small group. And when you're consistent and faithful in your small group with believers who encourage you and, and support you and love you, and you can do the same, you're going to have greater joy in your life. Perhaps the biggest joy sucker, honestly, is sin. It's sin. If you have a secret sin in your life, and you're trying to walk after the Lord or be in fellowship with others, but yet you're a slave to sin, there's an unconfessed sin, or maybe you just continue to go back to it and you feel like it's out of control. Again, we want to invite you on Tuesday nights to help you to to experience freedom, but you know it's robbing the joy out of your life. It's robbing the peace out of your life. And the Bible says in 1 John, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The good news is that Jesus loved you so much that he laid down his life for you, that he died on the cross. And because of the power of his blood is enough to forgive you of your sins. When you confess your sins to him, when you repent of your sin and turn from God, he's done his part. By faith, you receive that gift and you surrender your life to Jesus and you can follow after him. Some of you here here today and you have sin that's uncontrolled in your life. Your relationship with God is not right. You don't have peace and you don't have that joy. It's missing. And it's because you have an estranged relationship with God. But through Jesus, your relationship can be reconciled.